it out. We, we can just rec- we can just recognize though that like while we deliver what once every four years, we're like terrible about mom's birthday. Oh, we're but, terrible. But, but when we do, it's like really good. Yeah. I'm not I don't sure know this why will we didn't say that stupid really chef thing for her birthday. What do we uh, get? No, her? I blame Allie. She shot them for the moon Wait. for the Mother's Day, but she should have had the sense to think, guys, let's save this for her birthday and just get her flowers. Hold on a second. You blame Allie, who out of the yeah. four of us does the best job delivering for her mother on her birthday <laughs> and Mother's Day. I blame Allie. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm certainly not blaming myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we are at the Friday Night Movie Podcast, episode five. I'm here with my two awesome sisters, Lily, calling in from the Canary Islands. How are you? Good. Enjoying a nice little Saturday. Awesome. Afternoon. And Beck calling calling in from California. Well, you are apparently very cold. It's freezing. On the East Coast, I am in a tank top. I'm so... My knuckles are cracking. It's so cold. <laughs> remember that feeling when you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Beck. No, Colin... I don't remember anymore. Beck, calling in from California. How are you? I'm I'm uh, I'm well this morning. Thank you. I've um, been up since five thirty because apparently when you're pregnant, you just automatically stop sleeping. It's okay. So... Yes, it's preparation. It's good... It is. That's what it I've is. heard. I literally sleep it's... four hours a night, and I'm like, well. Mm-hmm. But, like you sleep, said, but you sleep four hours straight now, right? I sleep, I it's in chunks. No, I probably sleep a total of six hours broken up into like hour and a half chunks. Oh, that's good training. To two hours, yeah. It is good training. It's about what I sleep, how much I sleep. Yeah, so it I'm is. ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Uh, well, I'm doing great. Um, a week ago. All right, I, how are you? Yeah, I know. You guys always forget. You're like, <laughs> every single time I'm like, well, I'm fine. Yes. Right. You're like asking yourself, "Shy, how do you how do you feel? How are you doing?" I'm. I was. I'm doing great. Last week, um, I had an amazing experience on Sunday. I went to the Philadelphia Eagles game at Lincoln Financial Field with Alon, Adina, Allie, Dad, and Tio Mario. And in addition to the Eagles crushing the Denver Broncos before the game, we were invited um, uh, via Tio Mario to his friends. A catered VIP tailgate by this uh, restaurant called, or a restaurant that's going to open soon in Reading Terminal Market called Loco Lucho. It was the best food I have ever had. There were steak sandwich sliders. There were shrimp with some sort of amazing light panko fried edges and a delicious sauce. Chorizo. Um, else was there anyways it was amazing but in addition to that not only was the mayor of philadelphia hanging out there mayor kenny who was super nice but vincent papal the invincible guy that 
Right, Mark Wahlberg, Mark played, Wahlberg was played. there himself, yeah. schmoozing oh, with the no crowd. Oh no way! Cool. Yeah, we got to talk with him and take a picture and talk. Was about he the... just like, guys? Nobody could do what I did. <laughs> uh, well, no, I did ask him. I asked him. Um, I asked him what he thought of the Eagles' special teams because he was a special teamer and he thought it was. He thought that they're pretty phenomenal, and they are pretty phenomenal this year. And then the game was great, and and I have this really important. Oh, sorry, they had these incredible chicken cheesesteak sandwiches. Sorry, more important. You're like more importantly. The cheesesteak sandwich, but this is important because I have figured out that when I go to an Eagles game, I need to eat two cheesesteaks in order for them to win. They get they get extra power <laughs> from me eating cheesesteaks, and so this time I had eaten the small chicken cheesesteak slider at the tailgate, and then I had my full cheesesteak at the game. And, I, and, and I, that was going to be my two cheesesteaks, but I was concerned. I was worried Denver was going to get back in the game, but I knew I couldn't go back to the cheesesteak well at that point. What did I do? I went and I bought Rita's water ice for everyone that was with us. And that put mm. us over the edge. So now I have a new combination to get the Eagles to win when I go to a game. Mm-hmm. It's cheesesteak and water ice close it out or water ice to pronounce it correctly and there were th- water. Mm. and there were three flavors there was classic lemon there was swedish fish flavored i didn't know that was an actual flavor but... that's, disgusting. that's disgusting and mango i feel like that's not a flavor that's a color swedish fish <laughs> well either Ugh. way and then i was just scooping and mixing them all together i think that also helped so like very strange choices you made no they were the only ones that were available it wasn't like there that's was... it those are the three available those, choices those are the three choices one of each um okay i just want to say can i enter can i add two things yeah two things and then we'll get into our main topic all right okay one quick thing i want to just send out a mazel tov to andy samberg who just had his first baby oh. so oh. i just feel like oh, we're all brooklyn nine nine have... fans you didn't have baby. your baby yet. But I'm about to have my first baby. Yeah, but you'll get a congratula- official maybe, podcast congratulations our, once you have kids, your baby. Maybe our kids will go to Berkeley High together. Maybe they will. Does he live in Berkeley? Um, no, but that's where he probably lives in LA. Oh. Well, he went to, he went to Berkeley he High. Went, what? Is that just like a random fact that you know that Andy Samberg went to Berkeley High? Listen, people at Berk- who live in Berkeley are obsessed <laughs> with all the famous people who went to Berkeley. Andy Sandberg and the Lonely Island gang, they all went to uh, oh. Berkeley High. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Like Everyone knows that here. So in theory, Andy Sandberg could be like the graduation speaker for your future child's graduation. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, except technically I live in Albany, so my kids won't go to school there anyway. <laughs> but um, I wonder if his harpist wife also went. I don't know. The harpist. I'm sure I could do some digging and find out. Were those was um, the harpist the second thing or was there a second thing? No, there is a second thing. I just want to say that, like, I feel like we cannot ignore this anymore. Not that we need to actually talk about it because it's just very sad and, and important. And we shouldn't talk about anything sad or important on this podcast. Great. But um, I will say that I feel like Trevor Noah, who I don't often watch that much um, anymore, but... He he said it best when he said that at this point with like the sexual harassment allegations that are coming like flood that is coming out. He was just like, I think there. he said two things that really I thought were a great way to sum it up. He was like, first, we now need a new best actor category for um, best actor for movies. We can no longer watch anymore like, that have been ruined. 
He's like, on one hand. And then the second thing he said, he was like, every time that I see a celebrity trending on Twitter, he's just like, I'm praying that they're dead. Because he's like, I can't handle that another one is a fucking sexual predator. And I was like, that's so true. Yesterday I opened the HuffPo and it's like, Louis C.K. is admitting he's a sexual predator. Yeah. I'm like, what is happening? Now, obviously. I work the other day and then kind of everyone were like, uh, and by the end of the day, we're all like, oh, I guess we can't watch his stuff anymore. It was like very... You know, we could get into, like, if we wanted to do a different cast on a whole idea about, like, can you separate the, the, no, the material from? That's a conversation that we're not having on this podcast. That, that's a deep conversation. That's a deep conversation not meant for, for this forum. I am not I am not discussing well, that. That is a tough okay. one, I, I have to say. It, it is, is tough, it's, though. It's truly disheartening, but given... Um, uh, given Allie's work and, and what I've learned about this field, it's it's not surprising that people in positions of power misuse their power in the worst possible way. And I, I want I want to believe that um, you know people are inherently good, but these um, yeah. These... Well, then because of this, sorry, yeah. No, no, I was gonna say these actions. I mean, the, the stuff that's coming out is is it's just truly awful. It's it's truly awful. And it, but it's it's fairly consistent with what I've been learning about this subject. And someone started a trending topic on on Twitter about like people like retweeting each other's good Hollywood celebrity stories just to kind of like you know bring a smile. And and there were some really nice like I mean there's always people that are going to be nice. I mean that's like ridiculous to assume that nobody's nice in Hollywood. But there were some like nice stories of like Tyra Banks comforting a girl crying in the mall and like. You know, Michelle Pfeiffer giving baby advice to like a PA or stuff like that. It's just very sweet things. Apparently, Rhea Perlman and Danny DeVito uh, during Matilda let like um, the girl, what's her name? Uh, Wilson, I forget her first name, uh, stay live with them while her mom was getting cancer treatment and stuff like that. So, like, they you know, obviously celebrities do beautiful things too. Anyways. We thanks for thanks for thanks for raising that, and maybe at another mm-hmm. time we'll have a deeper a deeper conversation. Yeah. But but I do agree with just the general premises that not, no, and I'm glad and I'm glad you didn't ignore it. It's truly appalling, and I hope this yeah. this leads to a change in the expectations of behavior. That that um, a- acting in arts is a workplace the same way other every other workplace is in the United States. And, right. And there's training and there's protection in every workplace. I don't see why that should be any different for people making art. Um, yeah, there's no protection on set. Someone, I was telling stories the other day and one of the women I worked with was like, well, why didn't you just go to HR? And I'm like, what do you think you think on a, on a television show, we have an HR department? No. Well, they, yeah, I mean, it, they probably do. It just things, it's a different beast. It doesn't work the same way. Yeah. Anyway, well, anyways, Lil, thanks for thanks for raising that. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it. You're right. We shouldn't we shouldn't ignore something that um, significant. Right, uh, and I do think Trevor Noah did say that was a great way to sum it up. Yeah, that is that is that is well done on his part. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So Stranger moving on things. to moving on to Stranger Things two. I think it's really fun. We watch, we, we talked about it mid-season, and we made all sorts of predictions as if it was a show that would be normally on, which I think. One of the things that streaming 
takes away from us is that you, you don't know when people are at different points in the show anymore. It's not like everybody's watching the show unfold. But we kind of did that last time and made some predictions. And now we get to talk about how those unfolded and, and how what we thought of the season. Why don't we – I'll start off by going around and just asking you both your, your general reactions to the season. And then we'll dig in and give notes on various pieces. Um, Beck, what was your reaction to Stranger Things 2? So general reaction, once once you got past episode three, so from four on, I enjoyed it. And I walked away from it going like, oh, I really like that and I felt satisfied. So I do feel like it delivered. So I don't I don't have any like overarching, you know, issues with it. Um, except for episode seven, which I think Shay, you called the X-Men episode, which mm-hmm. was just could have been like a scene. It literally could have been a scene. In a bigger episode. It's just, yeah, that to me is, that, you know, points to the bigger problems of the of the way the season was written. A lot of time spent on characters that don't really have, a, like, they have, like, a minor purpose, but it's just too much time fleshing out that, you know, minor purpose. But, but otherwise, no, I was, I was very happy. Uh, and I, uh, and I, I felt satisfied by the ending. Cool. All right, Lil, your opinion. Um, I think, yeah, I kind of feel like this is a show that really could do anything and I'm still going to like it. Like, (laughs) I'm sort of like, I'm on it. Like, I'm on the bandwagon. There's just the clothing. You know what I mean? Like, just, there's something about the clothing. There's something about. Really good costuming. Yeah. Really good costuming. You know. I, I, somebody much younger than me asked me if I could rec- like, do you recommend it? And I was like, you know what? Of course I do. But I, I was like, I have to warn you. I'm not sure if I'm, the majority of my obsession with this show, like my love for this show comes from pure nostalgia because I connect to that era. I connect to the, the place it's filmed in, like, you know, the United States, like this is someone from Europe. So I was like, I don't know if you're going to get it. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. but it's also super fun. You know, in the end, I was thinking about it and I was like, what makes this show hold up is the characters, like the actual individual characters. I watched an episode, part of an episode from from season one. And Shai, you brought up an interesting point um, when you and I talked on the phone the other day that you felt, and I'm sure you'll talk about it, that, you know, they were all kind of divided. Like they were not together as a group, the four boys. Um, And I watched an episode, part of an episode where they were all together and that was like very cute and cool, but you really see how much they've aged. Like they're much older in this season than, you know, they're into girls and it's like, it's different. And so I kind of like seeing a bit of an evolution. Like, I don't feel like it has to be like, you know, the four of them all together. I like that they paired off. Um, And for me, the ending was the best. That, that to me, it doesn't matter what they did during this season, that ending at the dance was yeah. just, that, that was, was the great. best. I was just like, now I want to see somebody make a, a show that's like, like this, but a comedy. Because I'm like, <laughs> besides the Goldbergs, you know what I mean? But like drama, dramedy, you know, because I was just like, I was just, I was so in love with the era. It's such a fun era. And so that ending was awesome. And yeah, I think the, the season has problems. I don't feel like maybe the Duffer brothers get enough criticism because people like it so much. You know, there's some story issues. There's some, you know, beat issues. Like all of a sudden it slows down. It speeds up like that's episode seven. I enjoyed the episode, but it kind of just comes out of nowhere, but I can kind of let that all slide because I enjoy watching it is what I listen. I could let a couple of, a couple of bad scenes slide, but not a, not a whole, not a whole. The episode wasn't bad. It was just 
it just didn't make any sense. So anyway, so shy. So yeah, my feeling. So a, I loved season two. Um, I recognize all the all the flaws you guys are talking about. I totally agree with. In right. general, I liked season two more than season one. No. Um, because really? yeah, because Lily Lily hit on it. For me, something that I'm seeing across the board with any show that I watch, with some exceptions, particularly when it comes with some some comedies. But in general, I like to see characters grow. I like to see them evolve. I like to get to know characters and feel like there's payoff from that first season and and that the lessons that they've learned and the experience I've gone through with them, they're learning from. Otherwise, it just feels like it might as well be an episode of The Simpsons, which I love, but the point of The Simpsons is to do the same bit over and over and over again. Um, (laughs) And I feel like the characters really did grow and they learned things, whether it was Eleven, whether it was Mike, whether it was people learning about Mike, like last episode last episode of, of our conversation, we there was a lot of debate over whether Mike was good or annoying this season. And I think one of the great payoffs of this was folks, us, us as an audience learning about Mike's belief in his friends and belief in doing the right thing and his loyalty and how that has both been consistent, but how it's shown, shown its way in different ways um, and how he's grown as a character makes him worth watching. A character that could be annoying makes him actually worth watching. And that's similar to, I think, any of the, uh, most of the other characters, not all of them. Um, uh, I, I think that I, I, I love Lily's point about how I'd like to see this as a comedy. I think because the strength of the show really is the characters for me at certain points, some of the sci-fi stuff got gimmicky for me. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the whole, I, I, while I, you know, I love the alien movies probably more than most people, you know, I love the alien movies. I've seen them all. I love the original. I love the sequel, Aliens. Um, but I even like, you know, Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection um, and Prometheus and all that stuff. So I, I, I knew that the introduction of Paul Reiser meant there was going to be an Aliens connection or Aliens Easter mm-hmm. eggs. At a certain point, I thought the whole Aliens, you know, one Demogorgon in the first one, many Demogorgons in the second one. You saw my drawing that kind of imitated the Aliens thing that was, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was homage mostly, but a little bit parody. Um, to me, the whole Aliens um, uh, thing got almost on the nose at a certain point, like almost too obvious, um, as did some of the other connections to other um, uh, movies, for example, when Dart shows up and... You see the little model of E.T. in, uh, in his Dustin's bedroom. Room. Granted, I completely got Dart wrong. Allie from the beginning was like, this is not going to turn out well. And I was like, no, he's going to have a buddy. It's going to be like E.T. Look, there's a picture of E.T. At a certain point, some of those things. No. Yeah. It was, to me, it was pretty obvious that the E.T. thing was basically telling you it will. this will not be E.T. Fair, it's fair, it's more like a gizmo who actually turns into a gremlin. Fair, fair enough. Although sort of comes through in the end, but. Also eats chocolate like ET. Uh, yeah, that I guess. I guess the fact. I guess it. You know what? It is similar to ET when the fact that. Um, I think when the fact that he ends up becoming quote unquote his friend at the end and saves them. I guess it is. Well, he doesn't save them. He gets distracted by candy and lets them pass. Yeah, that's good enough. A- anyways, it's like. A- a- anyways, I think that the strength of the show is the characters. And that I'd like to see a well, season that less does uh, a gimmick 
and maybe even moves away from the full-on supernatural, but we'll talk about this a little bit later, and and goes into just more of the characters being characters, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't well, need a monster chasing them for the show to be great. Two things. First of all, Corman's loves some good character development. That's true. That just needs to be stated about this family. One. Two, I would like to discuss a 180 I did that I didn't even realize was happening. But as we were watching the last, you know, like three, four, well, there was like four episodes or, or so, I was becoming so, I was getting so into Bob. And I was like, Bob, he's going to save the day. And this, and Vlad looks at me and he's like, when did you become team Bob? I thought he was a useless character. And if they don't make him bad. And I was like, Bob's my favorite. Well, no, but Beck, you, I said, you, you said it. Beck, I said from the beginning, he's a red herring. He's not going to be bad. He's going to be great. No. And I'm like, Bob's just this amazing guy. But, but Beck said it best in the last thing. You had it, the best prediction of all, which is if you show a gun in Act 1, you got to use it in Act 3. And Bob's character did come to fruition. Yep. I mean, yep. the, the he fact did. that he no, wasn't he a bad he guy. Served, he, ser- he wasn't a bad guy, but he served a very important purpose. So you have this like nerdy boyfriend character who like works at the radio shack and you're like, what is the purpose of him? But, but what I liked is that over the course of the episodes, they give him a little bit more and he gets a little bit more involved over those last like five episodes or so. So that well, by he the figures out the whole, point. once he figures out the whole map, I was right. just then like, then he's okay, like really part of the game versus I want to bring that up versus Billy who gets so much time. He gets so much time. But then when you think about it, his only purpose at the end is to just like beat up Steve till he's unconscious. So it's all of the screen time with this guy for that one moment. And his whole outcome is that he just gets tranquilized. Like that's it. That was his demise. But but I think think that Mad Max stands up to him is what's important about that tranquilizer scene. Sure. I assume he's gonna have he's gonna play a part in season three. I can't imagine it, like he's we're done with him because but, then but it they just really felt like did a lot, lot of felt like a lot of screen Curl time for no reason. Well, yeah, it felt like a lot of screen time for a character who, as far as this season's purpose goes, his only purpose is to have that one fight with Steve. And you're like, realistically, they could have come up with an easier way of knocking Steve out. Uh, speaking, you know. speaking of Steve, I think one of the, the consistent themes of this season was scaring the audience into thinking Steve was going to die. <laughs> Jose was like, when he, I told you, my husband, Jose, was like in the in the tunnel. When he's in the tunnel, he turns to me and he's like, okay, Lil, either Steve dies or he definitely after this scene can never die. I was like, you're right. <laughs> That's right. And I was like, this is it. Either he's dead right now and it's like, I'm going to cry because I love Steve or it's like now he's part of the show. You can't, like, keep pretending he's going to die after this. I mean, one could argue he's more part of the show than Jonathan and Nancy are. I mean, in some ways, Jonathan and Nancy's story is somewhat complete. It's somewhat complete Mm -hmm. at this point if they stay together. Um, And and they're they're sort of helping serve the other characters. Whereas, and it comes back to growth, Steve is now kind of like this mentor to the Mm -hmm. the kids. To the kids, my, my, he's, he's really a favorite character I mean, by the end. On to the, which I hope you're going to ask now about MT, MVPs, he's my MVP. Oh, that well, episode well. when he goes with Dustin, that's my <laughs> favorite episode. When him and Dustin are just like on this mission to find Dart together, and he's like, how the hell did I get roped into this? Uh, that is 
Yeah, that's my favorite. That, that's a that's a great episode. I want to. We'll get to MVPs in a little bit. I I wanted to talk about the the guest stars and ask you guys. So we talked about Sean Astin. I don't know if, it, mm-hmm. if there's anything else you guys want to add on Sean Astin, but Paul Reiser and Sean Astin both referenced their famous 80s movies with Sean Astin talking about the treasure map and Paul Reiser's yeah. entire character. It's like a treasure map. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. good. Um, but one, one of my one of my feelings was I was I was going to be bummed if Paul Reiser was used just to be a creepy guy. And I'm glad that while he was, you know, working on behalf of whatever institution he was working for, he turned out to be a good guy and someone that you would you would root for. Um, uh, and, and that was nice to see because he's been playing kind of a grumpy character in other shows like Red Oaks and things like that. And and hopefully we see him in the future. It gives us a little bit of an, another adult character that's interesting to work well, with. Well, also, as it's revealed that Matthew Modine is still alive somehow, then that's our villain. Like, you don't, we mm-hmm. don't need Paul Reiser to I'm be sure. our villain. And well, so it's great that he's sort of like finally someone on their side, like a nice scientist. Right. And it seems great. like they're not, um, they're not kidnapping and torturing little children anymore either. That that really is like the, that was like the Matthew Modine bag. And that these, yeah, these group of scientists are not, are not so evil. They might actually, you know, right. Like they did actually go and test the pumpkins when Hopper asked him to. And they, when they realized it was bad, they went to do something about it. So like, that wasn't the sort of sinister thing happening in the show. Like you, that would have been really just too repetitive if they did that. Yeah. So, um, so that was good. I have to say, Sorry, I just want to go back to something you talked about about Steve dying. I, I think one of the the one of the, the issues the show is creating for itself, you know, I guess should there be or when there is a season three, and this is something Shai you brought up, for example, about Game of Thrones, is that I think they're at a point now. I've, I've they, that up that they but can't they, kill they can't kill yeah. they can't kill any of the main cast off. Right, and, 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 and that's, that's my which is fine, which is fine. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't just, think every show has to. I, I I think that's a gimmick too. I think that. That, yeah. that Game of Thrones gimmick is like one of the things that annoyed me about Game of Thrones. And then once I that stopped being like a thing I was looking for, I was able to enjoy the show more. So um, let, let's so we, we talked about the the guests, um, Paul Reiser, the oh, so. All right. I want to do high points and low points. And I think all of us probably our low point is the Papa. Can you hear me? Episode. <laughs> um, so. Lily said the Dustin and Steve moment. Beck, what was what was your high what was your high point? What was my high point? Like my favorite, like one of my favorite moment, moments. Favorite episode, favorite relationship. I, what what was your favorite? What was just a super high point for you in this season? Okay, so it was it was actually like a moment where Mike became my MVP, and it's in the I, yeah. second to last or last episode. I forget when it was. I think it's yeah. the second to last episode, and. It's yeah, it's like the, it was this really dark moment, right? It's when um, it's it's when God, now I'm having trouble remembering baby brain. But it's basically when they're in it's the hospital room. With, what, can I can I can I can I share my moment? Yeah, I was telling you said you didn't remember. No, no, I got it, I got it. So it's when Mike realizes that Will is the spy, and he's like, "We have to drug him," or "He's a spy." We have to put him out. and like that moment where he's like so take charge and gets what's going on and he has no fear and he just like knows they have to put him out and I was just like damn Mike like that was like a serious ballsy move 
And that was like one of my favorite moments. One, you know, like Shai said, character development, where you have Mike who's been by Will's side like this whole time and it's really emotional. But then now you really see him like kind of making the tough call kind of thing and pushing all like the grownups in the room to like really see what's going on. That was like a favorite moment of mine. For, for me, I had I had well, two, one is the episode where they're in that old school bus or something, and they're and all the kids are fighting off, and and it was that's it episode was, six. It was it's your the best one. It was your Jurassic Park kind of aliens, mm-hmm. you know. On one hand, it was it was like a photocopy of those, but it was putting characters that I loved in that situation, and and they did it so well, and I had so much fun. It was just it was exhilarating fun. But then the emotional high point for me was uh, Eleven reuniting with the crew of friends. I mean, hopefully yeah. she and Max work out their issues. But I love seeing that group of kids together and that ensemble. And one of mm-hmm. my – so everyone – I know people always love Empire Strikes Back. I'm not a big Empire Strikes Back guy. But one of the things that I, has always been a drag for me about Empire Strikes Back is that I love seeing – the ensemble of the main characters of the core three or four characters all together. And you just don't get that in that movie. And in this one, I loved when, the, and in this series, I love that we got them all back together at the end. So that was really terrific. Um, and what about low points? Should, do we all agree that the low points was that, was that tangent episode? Uh, mm-hmm. Cause I do have a philosophical yeah. feeling about how we can, how that will pay off. Um, and also there's too much th- at the beginning. There's just too much cabin. Like, they, the, the like back and forth of like, don't be stupid and you can't leave and her throwing things. Well, like, I think that dragged out of it. I think it's that one of the things, Lil, you brought up at the beginning was this, like the lack of consistency that like, it's so melodramatic and it's really fast and then it's really slow. And, and I think like that, that's an inconsistency from director to director that they have, like some directors, like that's like episodes, you know, episode two, episode three is extremely melodramatic, right? And then it kind of mm-hmm. evens out for four and five, and then six is really, really like, or five and six are like the really, are those, it's either, I think four and five or five and six are the Andrew Stanton directed episodes, which were like really, really good. Oh, interesting. I'm going to check. I haven't, I'm going to um, check the directors. I haven't uh, zeroed in the directors, but you're right. There were stretches of like a few episodes that were really great. So here's what I think about the, the Papa Can You Hear Me episode. I think that, and this has Sorry, to Sorry, which one's, which one's the Papa Can You Hear Me episode? The one that's just like the tangent with Eleven. The tangent. Yeah, okay, the tangent so episode. the X-Men, I, X-Men I just, episode. She's just going, yeah, the X-Men episode where she goes, A, I loved seeing Elle uh, develop that punk rock kind of look. I thought that was super fun. Yeah, I mean, I watched the, uh, I don't know if you guys have watched the like, the after Stranger Things, like the behind the scenes no, that I they have on Netflix, um, they they explain a little bit about that, and it's it's really great that they sort her. And then you, they were explaining how they transitioned her look into that, and that's what she looks like when she's fighting the big monster at the end. Yeah, and then but she still gets to be like, if she was a, you know she still gets to be a kid at the end where she shows up at the dance looking like a, just like a sweet little girl because she's a kid. And so they mm-hmm. were talking about like that juxtaposition and how, you know, they were able to sort of like have her appear looking so badass, but then end the show with her just looking like a normal kid. So um, here's, I thought so, that was well done. So here's my rationalization for that episode. I think what that episode was about aside from Elle's journey is that I, I, firmly believe season three whether i want it to or not 
is going to be less about the upside down and more about exploring what has been done to these kids and exploring the fact that there's at least 11 other or, or 10 other people that clearly have different powers. They all Not have the same nine powers. other people. Nine other. Nine, 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 nine. Matt, Matt, wasn't your 11 minus That's two. That's fine. Oh, oh no. Yeah, I was including number eight, though. <laughs> yeah. I was including number eight. Sure. I was including number um, eight. But, however, the last, oh, okay. the last visual of the... Of the, of the, I, of I know, thing, but I was you think that the yeah, shadow monster, but, the shadow monster, is now out to get them. It's not just out to get anyone. It's hovering over the school, going, "Oh, these kids are going to get some payback. I'm out for them now." I would. Yeah, I'm also like, I'm done I, with the spider. I, I wouldn't like, do I'm the, done. So why don't we? Why don't we just segue into like what we would do next? I, I, I would not go back to the shadow monster next. Let's assume there's going to be five seasons. I would do a season. Well, I have my dream of what I would do next, but I would I would do seasons exploring other elements of the world of things they've spent time on, and then I'd come back to the Shadow Monster, um, uh, <laughs> one you know, a, a, as part of the last and final arc, you know, going back and fighting the demons. And then, like the all arc. of the uh, all of the eleven kids have to fight the Shadow Monster together that's to very, defeat it. That's very uh, to, like band more- together very nightmare and elm street dream warriors i i don't know if that's necessary but that's a cool idea um but they've mm-hmm. got to do something with those other kids the, the in some ways while the shadow monster is scary the horrific treatment of these little kids is a far more horrific um is a far more horrific concept than some sort of shadow monster that is really only being explored as a byproduct of them having messed with these children's minds mm-hmm and where, where, where would you take this? Where, where, where would you take the story next? Well, I, I don't. I have a question though. Is I always okay? Wait. Uh, my impression was always that they discovered that there was this evil. Tell me if I'm wrong. This evil, sinister um, portal that opened up between another dimension and ours, and then it was a human world or whatever. And then this, this evil creature is trying to get in and kill everybody. And they discover that there are children kind of a la fringe who have capabilities that could fight it. And they were kind of trying to train them for the better good of the greater good of of battling this evil. No. No. I thought that no. the, I thought the opening to the oh, upside down it. was caused by the was caused by L. Children. Yeah, that's what it is. It's two totally separate things. It's like they realize they, there's these are, kids are with they, special are powers. Yeah, no, no, no. It's like they realize there are these kids with special powers, and they're doing experiments on them. And then because of L, it's like not the kids. It's L specifically because of her psychic abilities. She opens the rift between the two dimensions, and then this all spirals. That is confirmed. That's not a theory. Yeah. No, I, that's, that's, huh. I mean, pretty sure go back and watch season one. She's the one that opens up the gateway to. I, I, I think that's why she was able upside to. upside down. I think that's why she was able to close it. So where would, so where okay. would you take the story next, Lil? Not just where does it make sense, like, but what, what, what would Will, be move? My move is that Will is totally fine. Like, Will is not the victim or all you know, I have Sauron in this one, the next one or whatever, like mm-hmm. Will gets to be a character, just a normal character. And like, we get to see him, you know, become some kind of badass because I feel like season one and two has been about his connection. I read something that suggested now that Hopper and Dustin have been like, quote unquote, infected by this stuff. Cause they breathed it in. 
maybe mm-hmm. they will have some sort of connection and that kind of move it away from Will. But I, I, I don't know what I would do necessarily, but what I would do is just move away from the giant spider thing, kind of make it more about the other kids and Matthew Modine and kind of bring it more back to reality that there's a looming thing that culminates at the end of season three that then brings you into the season four. You know, and then maybe four and five are the ending of this whole supernatural stuff. And like five, it ends at five. Like, I'm not sure this thing can go longer than five seasons, to be honest. But, um, and then season six. Yeah, I just like, I'm I'm sort of like, exactly. Like, you know, no, a video video store. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, rental video (laughs) store. But, 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 you know, I just, I don't they 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 had like Becky said the spider over the high school or the middle school at the end making you think that this thing is like getting coming back for revenge but I'm sort of well this season didn't have really the upside down when they go in the tunnel they're not in the upside down they're just in the, mm, the, no. the body the of the beast the upside down is kind of affecting well the upside down the upside down is affecting like regular in, earth yeah Right, but they are not like where Will got stuck and had to be saved from they're That's just true. physically inside the beast who's infiltrated our world so the upside down is not really except in will's visions in the show of season two you see the upside down at the end because that's where this thing lives i guess it got sent back to the upside down right and will has visions to the upside down right i mean i don't know if they can move get out of their own way is what i mean to say for season three all right and they were already writing season two when season one like, they immediately started writing it. It's not like they, like, got to see everybody's reactions of the fans, decide what to do for season two. They finished season one and immediately wrote season two. So, so you know, I don't know how they're going to, if they're going to wait to see about season three a little bit and, like, see people's reactions. And Becky, That might what, be better. Becky, what would you do with the next season? I mean, I'm a corpsman. I just want more character development, right? <laughs> That's all I want. No, what would I do the next season? Um, I, I, you know, I feel ill prepared to answer this off the cuff. Um, I think we brought up a lot of good points here. It would be really exciting to find out who the other nine are, where they are, what they're doing, what their powers can do. But I wouldn't want to take it too far away from right. the core characters because while that's interesting, I don't, you know, the the core, you know, kids, which now include Max. Is um, is right. They've the already mo- introduced the another kid. Yeah, that's like the most compelling part of the show to me. Are those are the the core kids more so than you know Hopper yeah. and Mom and anyone else? The scientists. I love like, Hopper. The adventures of those Hopper. kids in like a Goonies type way is is where I'd like to see it keep going. So so what I I, I, I would do yeah. in the next season is I would maybe through one of the kids with powers. I think one of you guys came up with that idea. Um, but I want to see some form of time travel. Uh, I'd love to see them go back to Hawkins in the 70s or something when some of the older characters were younger. Would they use the same actors? Or maybe just, or like maybe just a few CGI years. wrinkle removal or, or new actors? Or maybe just a few years earlier um, when the kids were either babies to see them before they, be, they became as broken as they were. Some sort of pat because the history of that lab goes back pretty far. And the flashbacks have been part of the show. So I would love to see a little bit of, you know, if we're going to keep with the homages, which maybe is not my thing, but if we're going to go with a little Back to the Future action. Um, Hmm. 
And Wait, then, back to the, you want to do Back to the Future? You want to travel back in time, or you just want to do like no? Flashbacks? He means travel. I, I mean, you actually want to do time travel? I, I want to see a little bit of time travel. I want to. I don't. Take, what do you mean? Well, time well, well I, I, I flashbacks. They could. What I was saying is that they could easily do that if they find number six or whoever it is, like one of the other kids, and their power, power is, time is travel. to travel. Yeah. And right, they could it. be able to move in Isn't time. Isn't this like, getting like if each of them that. have like a different power, it is getting very X many. It is right, and also I, they can't unless they're going to just die whoa, whoa, whoa. easily in their characters that die. What you know? What we haven't talked about yet the fact what? that eight is a serial killer. Well, I was going to mention, wait, I was going to mention two things. One, I do want to just give a quick shout out to Mike because I gave him a lot of shit in the last he episode. a lot of shit. And I the, like immediately called Shy and I was like, oh my God, he turned it around. He's my MVP after Steve. MVP. Because yeah. he stays with Will the entire time. And Such I really like that they let him stay with Will during all this crazy shit as opposed to being like, you're a kid, go home. He insists yeah. on staying with him. And I love that. Number mm-hmm. one. Number two, she is a serial killer. She's a serial killer. a bit killer. of a psycho. And she has no remorse or anything like that, which is quite terrifying. But also, I told me the bad guy. The importance of that Ooh. episode seven, I'm assuming. Ooh. Exactly. That's what I, Ooh, I was going to say is oh my the God. reason that, that episode be... was so long and devoted to I feel to like that. we're just, just, we're like unpacking yeah. something that could right. be really but juicy. I just want to, let me finish my thought. I'm just saying that on that, I was going to say before, when that episode was so long, it was probably because you're seeing that she's pretty evil. And you're seeing that she wants to go after Matthew Modine, but that she and Eleven can work together, but she's also her antagonist. Or she she threatens her. So and she tells Magneto? the guys that she was kind yes. of, yeah, Kind of, yeah. Because she tells her gang, I'm just using her so I can find people. She doesn't give a shit about her. She says it at the beginning, and then yeah, she no, like pretends they're friends. Then when she cut knocks the gun out of her hand at the end, she's like, "Don't you ever do that again? Like I'll cut you right. or whatever." And they're not. Oh friends. my god! Now that episode actually has purpose. Yes. But this is like you know. Okay, I meant right. to say that before, but I didn't get a chance. So now that's I, I think what, you're right. I think saying. that's my redemption is of that episode is that that episode has to be building it's, out the world for whatever happens in season the, three. Season Exactly. And I don't think she's going to, there may be more of an X. It is still X-Men and that there's some bad ones. So I don't necessarily think her and Eleven will be on the same side. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's, let's do, let's do MVPs. Um, Lily, you said Steve, Steve, Becky, Mike, Mike is my MVP. Uh, Me, I gotta, I gotta stick with Eleven. I still think even though she was away (laughs) from the other kids, she saves she's, the day. She uses her power. She, she channels her anger. She goes and she also is able to to, to reconnect with Mike. Um, to me, it's the way the Skywalkers are are the center of Star Wars for me. She's the center of that show for me, and and I love the way she developed. And if you look at it over two over two seasons, how she developed, particularly now that she's going to live with Hopper, I I love that. Um, yeah. So, all right. So um, that's so that is. I I also one last thing kind of like that her and Max are not friends right away. That's pretty realistic. Yeah. Like that's they're true. not like just the Brady bunch. The, She's the, like 
He's like, you, fuck you, get out you of my just, way. Like, I, I was thinking, that, like, that I, sta- like, that death stare, you're like, damn. I was also thinking, yeah. oh, I was thinking, you mean they're not, like, the Care Bear cousins. Like, when the Care Bear cousins right. showed up at the Care Bears, and nobody's, like, a little, none of the bears are upset that there are now lions and New bears. And, well, there's <laughs> yeah. lions and raccoons and monkeys and penguins. Right. Like Joining the group. She's just like, uh uh And so is Mike. Mike's like, no, I'm sorry. Mm. So, I mean, I feel bad for Max. Like, she eventually, nice, Mike, but... Mike eventually accepts Max. I mean, no, Max he doesn't awesome. let her into the party. He clearly states, you does, does not let you into anything. He's <laughs> not a fan to the end. Huh. Um, well, and just for the record, it was Mike and, uh, well, whatever, Wolfhard, Finn Wolfhard and Millie Bobby Brown's idea, because they're all very close friends, obviously. So the new girl, whoever plays Max, um, Millie Bobby Brown said to her in the last episode, Lucas has to kiss you. And that wasn't part of the script. And she got extremely nervous and, like, upset. She was like, what do you mean? There's going to be a kiss scene? I have to kiss somebody? What? Like, she was, like, freaking out. And Millie Bobby Brown, to mess with her, was just like, ugh, it's not a big deal. You just have to do it, like, 20 times. <laughs> like, it's not like a, you know, whatever. And the brothers, like, got wind of this. And they were like, okay, cool. Let's write, like, a kiss scene. And <laughs> ended up. Have that that kiss is was originally because I, uh, the, they wanted to mess with her. All the I actually also thought the fun, all the kisses in the yeah. final scene were amazing payoffs. I yeah. loved that. They were such a there great was part of the show. Such a sweet. It was such a sweet payoff. I agree, and I also quite liked the um, the switch of Dustin really liking Max, but then Max Lucas liking and, Lucas. Yeah. I think that was like realistic and it was sweet. And I think as far as like the friend dynamic goes, it was like handled well and 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 done done well. And I, I and was very uh, yeah. And um, apparently when Eleven and Mike kiss at the end, all those extras are children, right? They're all the kids their age. When they kissed, they all they they all cheered. And they uh, had to refilm it. Because <laughs> y'all went, yeah! Hey, I was cheering. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so you, you feel like, but like what I love about, what I love about like the intense loyalty between the two of them is that you're watching these two little kid characters and you feel like soulmates. Like these are like soulmate characters that were like written for each other. It feels like, you know. That's very sweet. It's like, very it's like sweet. an epic little kid love story. It's really That's sweet. Good. That's great. All right, so that wraps up our conversation yeah. about Stranger Things 2. Um, before we head on out, um, we actually don't have a ton of time. We've really used up yeah. our time. So yeah. why don't we say when, what, we're ta- what, yeah. what we've been watching for later this week when we record. Um, any final words, or do we just do our outro dance? Um, is, that like, is that like our gimmick every time, the outro dance? Well, it's because I play the music in the background, so it yeah. sounds like in You're my okay. head, I'm just imagining you, know how, like, you both dancing in always yeah, but you know how like podcasts always have like an intro or an outro that's like their go-to thing, that's like their gimmick. Is that ours? The dance? I guess it's the I dance. Mean, but wait, dance. actually, but before that, I gotta ask you guys where people can follow you. Beck, where can people follow you? Oh. Um, you can look up some fun recipes that I put on the internet at everydayoat.com. And Lil, where can people follow you? On Twitter, Chichi K Gomez. You're more and more Twitter. active. We're more and more active. It's exciting. I am. I am more and more active. Can I have, I, I have to make a quick confession though. I literally open my Twitter and like, I don't understand it. There's just, I feel like it just, the app needs to be better organized. But I think the app, I, I, I think it, 
I, I think it lives yeah. off of being disorganized. Like, Oof, I ha- I need to like get used to it because I love how organized Instagram is and Facebook is pretty well organized and like I work well with those parameters and Twitter like I want to participate more but I just get so uh, I don't know, I just I, feel like the app is I think it I need thri- to get I need to practice. I think I need, it thrives I think you need to on, get practice. Well, A you can practice, but B it thrives on abject chaos. I think part of what Twitter lives off Oof. of is people accidentally tweeting things. And making mistakes. First, I, I think so. I, I absolutely think so. <laughs> I think because that's... I, I've done it like three times already and had to delete stuff. I'm like, I did not mean to retweet the naked butt of somebody else, which I did once, and I was like, what? You did? So yeah, you it was like a thing. Did. I, I did. Right? I did. Yeah, you definitely did. Who's naked butt? Yeah. Sia's. No. <laughs> no, but you were because doing it in, in support and, and, of her and, fighting off people trying to hack her phone or something like that. It right, like and a... trying to exploit her, but I didn't actually mean to retweet her naked image again. <laughs> and Beck, right, when, so when, gotta... when are you joining Twitter? We got to come up with a name oh. for you. It's so come hard to use, Becky. Come up with, for, for, with a name for me and I'll join Twitter. What, what about, Shy Head's a really good one. What about Trusty Scout? Oh, that's a that's great one. Trusty Scout? I mean, I, I don't dad, know. It seems that, like for, but for dad those, already gave for those listening. Dad that was dad's gave. nickname for Beck when we were little. Yeah, which he then regifted to your children. So it's been it's been appropriated by the next generation. Not even my nickname anymore. Right. I don't know how you it's been ruined. I don't know how you give someone's nickname away. It's like you come up with a new one. You don't just regift it. No, you're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll, Tell we'll, your adorable we'll, children to get their own nicknames. Uh, hey, I'm I'm fully supportive of that. It made me feel a little weird too. Um, <laughs> all right, and you can follow me at Pancake, the number four table, Pancake Four Table, and you can follow all of the stuff we're doing in the Pancake Universe at www.pancakefortable.com, including this podcast. But if you only want to look at this podcast, then FridayNightMoviePod.com is where to where you can look at it, and you could subscribe to us through the Podbean uh, software platform. But I'm trying to figure out how to get us on iTunes sometime soon. So that will oh, that be, be amazing. That will be coming. Amazing. It seems like it's a bit of a project. Um, so with that in mind, now we will do our outro dance. Dancing. Sure. Dancing. Dancing. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm dancing. dancing. I'm right, dancing. I love you guys. All right. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye. Him oatmeal cookies, I and he's to, loving I had, them. So I hesitate to, to to say if I've ever had a bad chocolate chip cookie. I mean, they're probably are bad Ugh, ones. I've had so many bad chocolate chip cookies. I'm not sure fact, I've ever had I'm a good so, one, except Chips so, Ahoy. So, so, except President's Choice grocery store cookies. Uh, oh, my God. Those I, are the best freaking chocolate chip cookies. i got to say, cookies. Allie's sister's chocolate chip cookies are out of this world. They are amazing. That woman, that woman <gasps> bakes phenomenally. I had her banana bread once. And it, it was like made with gold. It was so good. Yeah, absolutely. And I heard she makes a mean challah. Mean challah, mean cookie. Her cookies are amazing. I'll take like a, a like a pound Ziploc and just keep them in the house. Oh, mm. so good. Yeah, uh, that girl can bake. Oh yeah. <laughs>